West Bulls, good morning. Well, if it is your first time here, my name is Nathan, and I get to be pastor here at West Bulls. And uh, we have, if it's your first time, we've been going through this, this sermon series for the last month called The Leap. And the whole idea is that for many of us to take a giant leap of faith, even when it comes to the church, there are a number of obstacles that we come up against that we've just got to step over. And that uh, will be concluding next week, I promise you, next week. But um, this morning, you're in for a treat because um, you're about to hear from somebody who has taken truly a leap into the church over a very long period of time. And many of you know him. Uh, his name is Brad Brady. He's one of our elders. And Brad, I feel like you've done everything here. I mean, it's He's, he's been part of children's ministry years ago. He's gone on youth trips. He has um, led classes here. And uh, one time I walked in and I thought I saw Brad. What, what instrument is it? Trumpet. He plays the trumpet. I thought it was a harp. I, uh, that's why I'm not invited up here during music, all right? So with all that being said, would you please give a warm welcome this morning to Brad Brady? Oh, church, thank you for that. It's so good to be here with you this morning. You know, it's good to give Nathan a break every once in a while, but I'm on the edge of my seat trying to, you know, figure out how his story ends. He's been teasing us every week, but I guess we'll have to wait till next week to hear how he finishes that. Well, Nathan's right. I've, I've served here at the church for, gosh, we've been here for almost 30 years, Katie. Can't believe that, but I've served in a lot of different areas. But the story I'm going to tell you today is how I got involved in those things. And it really was by a leap of faith. So today we're going to look at uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We're going to look specifically at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's where ta Paul talks about spiritual gifting, the power of the Holy Spirit, and how God designed those to operate in the church. But before we get into that, I'd like to share a story with you. So many of you know that uh, my wife and I, Katie, we have... Uh, two daughters. We have Christy, who's 33 years old, and Courtney. There they are on the screen there. Christy's on the left. She's 33. Courtney's 31. And they kind of grew up here at the church. But when our daughters were nine and seven years old, and I think there's a picture of them at that time, you know, it's, man, that brings back memories. It was a long time ago, yet it just seems like yesterday, right? But we were able to take our girls on a trip to Hawaii as part of a company-sponsored trip. Uh, the company I managed at the time had an incentive trip program, so uh, customers were on this trip as well. There were a lot of people on that trip. And we stayed at this beautiful resort in, uh, on the island of Maui, down in Waialea, and the resort had everything. I mean, it had pools, it had water slides, it had a lazy river, it had beautiful grounds, it had a beach. And our girls were having the time of their life. Well, a few days into the trip, we were, maybe the third or fourth day, we were driving in a 12-passenger uh, van, and we were going from Waialea to another part of the island, and we had some customers with us in this van. I'm driving the van, Katie's sitting a shotgun up there, and our kids are sitting in the back row of the van. And we're driving along, it's a gorgeous day, gorgeous view, the Pacific Ocean, the palm trees, we're in paradise. And from the back of the van, my seven-year-old daughter pipes up and says, Dad, we should move here. 
So, of course, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, it'd be great to move here, but man, this is an expensive place to live. What would I do to make a living? So I responded to her. I said, oh, honey, there's nothing for your dad to do here. To which she responds, she says, dad, what do you mean? You can go swimming. You can go snorkeling. You can play golf. Oh, man. Wouldn't it be nice to live in the perspective of a seven-year-old, to live our lives in the perspective of a seven-year-old? But you know what? It really is all about our perspective. When she said we should move there, I thought about things I couldn't do. But from Courtney's perspective, there were a ton of things that her dad could do. And she was astounded that I wasn't thinking that way. It taught me a lot about how I see myself, right? I wonder how many of us have limited visions of who we are, what we can do and can't do when it comes to being part of the body of Christ. Albert Einstein said, the world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. We cannot change it without changing our thinking. And I think the same thing holds true with our self-image, the view we hold of ourselves. It's a process of our thinking and it can't be changed unless we change our thinking. In Hawaii, I had my view of what I could do. And then there was Courtney's view of what her dad could do. When I come into the, ch- the church, into this body, I come in with my view of what I can and can't do versus what God sees me doing here at the church. What I'd like to suggest to you is maybe there is a version of you, a version of you that you haven't met yet a version of you that is not limited by your own thinking, by your perspectives, by your point of view, a version of you that can actually take that leap, even though you don't necessarily think you can, in order to make a special contribution in this body of believers. main point I'm going to try to be driving today is that God gave you something to give his body. So let's look at uh, what Paul says to the Corinthians. In chapter 12, verse 1, he says this, Now about the gifts of the spirits, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. He doesn't want us to be uninformed. What Paul's ready to start downloading to the church in Corinth are some pretty new concepts, really important concepts that God wants to get across. They're kind of radical concepts, if you will, about how the body's supposed to function, how God designed it goes on to say, you know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray. Those words stood out to me, influenced and led astray. We all have influences in our lives that shape who we are and what we think we are. We're all familiar with the idea of being under the influence of something. You know, we've all heard the expression, driving while under the influence. Of course, that's talking about driving under an influence of alcohol or drugs. But when we're under that kind of influence, our natural abilities, our mental awareness, our reactions, they're somehow altered and limited. The question is, are you under the influence of something that is actually limiting your potential and diminishing your value? What Paul's saying is here is, when we were pagans, in other words, he's saying when you didn't know God, somehow or other, You were influenced and led astray to what? To mute idols. Other versions say dumb idols. Well, that to me, what I take that to mean is you're led astray to something of no value. Instead of being influenced and led into something with value, 
and with purpose. When you aren't connecting with God, what are the influences that are shaping your view of yourself? Who do you let cast the vision for your life? Is it your peers? Is it your friends? Is it the people you work with? Is it celebrities or athletes you see on TV or in the movies? And Paul's telling the church, it's different in this life. It's different in this body. Paul would say it needs to be God who's casting that vision for your life. And we should be living under the influence of the Holy Spirit here at church. The Spirit is what makes this body here at the church different than any other body of people in the world. It sets us apart. It makes us different. It operates differently. Paul goes on and explains how diversity and unity, two polar opposites, right? Diversity and unity, how they actually work together in the church. In verse 4, Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit who distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Do you notice how Paul spells out the nature of God in these verses? Same Spirit, same Lord, same God. Same Spirit, same Lord, same God. What's that a reference to? It's the Trinity, right? God in three persons. And in this body of Christ, that is what we all have in common. It's the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. That's what unites us. You'll also notice in these verses... Paul repeats this three times. There are different kinds of. There are different kinds of. There are different kinds of. There's different kinds of gifts, the the special abilities that are given to us through the Holy Spirit. There's different kinds of service and ministries. Just look around this church at all the different kind of ministries designed to connect us to each other. There are different kinds of working. The way we work together accomplish the things God wants us to accomplish in the world. In the church, you have different kinds of, you have variety, you have assortment, you have diversity. And Paul points out that uh, the church depends on that kind of diversity. If you don't have all the parts, um, the various gifts represented, then the church is going to be weak. If you don't have all the gifts, the church is going to struggle. And it's just like a physical body if it doesn't have all its parts, right? It struggles. There's diversity and variety in the church, but we're united by that same Spirit, Lord God, focused on a common goal, moving together with a common purpose. You hear a lot in the world today about diversity, but the world doesn't understand diversity diversity like God intends it in this body. You know, there's a lot of talk about diversity out there. But without being united by the same Spirit, Lord, and God, without the common goal, mission, and purpose, diversity for the sake of diversity just drives us away from each other. That's what you see happening in our culture. It happens generationally. It happens politically. It happens racially. But Paul is saying in the church, we depend on both diversity and unity. You know, there's a lot going on in this church, and you're part of it. The main point is God gave you something to give his body. And in verse 7, he tells us why. And he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. 
You're given a gift to give here for the common good. I like how the message version of the Bible says it. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Don't you like that? Each person here is given something to give that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. And the emphasis isn't what people are doing it. The emphasis God places is on what the Spirit is doing in this place. The Spirit is not a theory. The Spirit produces results. And they're results that can be seen right here. I, I've been here a long time. I know most of you. I can look around this room and I can see people whose lives have been changed drastically because they were part of this body. I can see people, couples, who's had their relationships on the rocks, who came here, and has had, they've had tremendous change in their relationships. I've seen people out there that have struggled with addictions. I've seen those addictions broken here. I see leaders being raised up. I see all sorts of talents being displayed here. Oh, the Spirit isn't a theory. It produces results. Everywhere you look around here, you can see the work of the Spirit. So um, the sanctuary is filled with many different types of people and personalities, each with a special contribution to make. It's for our common good. It's so God can be seen here. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. God gave you something to give to his body. But do you understand that? Do you sense it? Do you know what that is that God's asking to you to give? Whatever the gift is, God wants you to come ready to contribute it. He wants you to take that leap. But here's what we, we do. We find reasons why we can't make that contribution. Paul outlines three reasons for this. He points out three obstacles that hold us back from taking a leap into this body. First obstacle is who I'm not or what I'm not. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 16 says, Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear would, should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. You notice the phrase, Because I am not this, I do not belong. Because I am not that, I do not belong. It's easy for us to live in that because I'm not this or that mentality, that point of view. Have you ever felt like, I didn't know why, have you ever felt like, hey, there's just nothing for me to do here at the church? Maybe you don't see how your abilities that you think you possess can be used in the body. Maybe you don't think you have anything special to contribute. You feel mismatched. You feel unprepared. You don't feel competent. You don't feel capable. You feel unqualified. You feel inadequate. And I'm sure at times we've all felt that way. I know I have, right? In counseling, they call those limiting beliefs. They're ways of thinking that hold you back from your true God-given potential and your true real value in God's eyes. What they really are are lies that Satan whispers to you in your own mind. He tells you you're not good enough. You can't possibly do that. You know, he doesn't want you to take that leap. He wants, you to, hold, he wants to hold you back 
And God responds to those lies and those limiting beliefs in verse 18. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, every one of you, just as he wanted them to be. God has placed you here just where he wanted you to be, not by accident. He did this on purpose. It's by his design. So how does it look moving from because I'm not, I don't belong to, what does God want me to do? So many years ago, when I first started coming to this church, I was in a Bible study, a community Bible study with a group of guys. And we decided that we were going to take one of those spiritual gift tests. And I was really excited about it. You know, I wanted to know, I was curious at what the test would point to, what those gifts were that I had. You know, I came into the test maybe not knowing what my gifts were, but I was very certain about what my gifts weren't. The gift of prophecy, I'm no prophet. The gift of evangelism, I'm no Billy Graham. And I had a real fear of getting up in front of people and speaking to them. So the gift of teaching, being a pastor, that's not who I am. I'm definitely not that. So we took the test, test results come back, and yeah, there were a few things that I can see made sense, but one of the strongest gifts this test said I had was that of a teacher. (laughs) And I remember being angry about that. (laughs) I thought, I am not a teacher. And I thought, if that's the way this test went and it pointed to that, I wonder how much credibility I can put in the rest of the things it said. So I just kind of put that aside and didn't think about it. Until about two months later, I'm here at the church. At that time, we were over in the little church over there, the chapel. And we had, uh, we had one main service, and we had a, a one adult Sunday school class uh, that was in the basement. I think it was taught by Dave Beatty. Dave Beatty. Thank God for Dave Beatty, right? He's been here forever teaching us, right? But anyway, it was being taught by Dave Beatty, and he was going to go on vacation in two weeks. And he comes up to me, and he said, Brad, I wondered if you wouldn't mind filling in and teaching the class. <laughs> In two weeks, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. But a guy wanted a favor, and I, I, so I said, so I said, yes. But um, I have a real hard time saying no. But uh, I remember praying and getting alone with God, and I said, God, what have you gotten me into? I'm not a teacher. I'm not comfortable in front of people. I'm not equipped to do this. I have no idea how I'm going to pull it off. Isn't there somebody else you can use, Right? And God uh, gave me a verse out of Joshua, Joshua 1.9. He seems to give me this to me a lot. He said, Brad, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. You know, when I was asked to do that teaching, it definitely was getting me out of my comfort zone. But I did have a sense that God was trying to move me out of that and into something different. You know, the spiritual test results, then followed by the request to get in front of people and teach. I felt like I had to take the leap. I feel like God was in that, and I just had to step into it. I'm really so glad I did, because out of that, once I made that step into this place, all of a sudden God started bringing out some gifts and abilities that I didn't even know I had. They were hidden someplace inside of me. I never would have gotten to those unless that opportunity came along. There's a devotion my wife shared with me from Christine Kane. I think this is perfect. She says, when the unexpected comes in our lives, 
when we're stopped short by challenges we don't feel prepared for, we're going to have to decide whether to face them or stay safe and avoid risk, remaining within our comfort zones. But shying away from the unknown will only limit us and cause us to miss opportunities. The key is to replace the what-if question with what could be. Living a life of faith requires risk. I'm going to repeat that. Living a life of faith requires risk. But the good news is that we can take each step knowing we're not alone. God's with us. Well, that's great advice for helping us overcome that first obstacle that holds us back, that where Satan lies to us and say, you're not this, you're not that. The next obstacle that holds us back from taking that leap that Paul points to is our emphasis in this culture on individualism. We want to live in a world of one. Verse, uh, verse 21 and 22, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That phrase jumps out, I don't need you. I don't need you. You know, in our society, it puts a great emphasis on individualism. The way most of us are brought up is we're taught to be self-reliant. You don't want to be needy and dependent on someone else. You need to show that you can take care of yourself. Being dependent is viewed as a weakness. Being independent is viewed as being strong. What Paul says is God flips that in here. He says it's not like that in the church. In fact, we need each other. And guess what? We're going to be better when we're together. We're going to be stronger when we're together. Paul says individualism in the church can cause, uh, create division. In verse 24, he says, but God has put the body together, together, giving greater honor to the parts it lacked, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In the church, we need each other, folks. We are better together, and we are to experience life together, the joys and the sorrows. And here's how it's supposed to work. God gave you something to give to the body, and you're supposed to offer your individual gifts and talents here in this body. And, and you need to rely on others to offer theirs. Mother Teresa said, you can do things I cannot. I can do things you cannot. And together we can do great things. You know, it's the combination of our individual strengths and talents working together that will achieve great things for God. As Christians, we are not called to carry the whole load by ourselves. It's simply not possible. Now, I always considered myself to be a pretty self-reliant person. But in the body there's a certain interdependence that goes on between believers. And at first, it wasn't easy for me to trust God's way. I had some built-in control issues. But being part of the body has actually given me a certain freedom that I, I really didn't expect would come. And it's been life-changing for me. And I actually got better at the things I could do. But this is one of the only places in the world that I feel totally comfortable to be myself. 
I don't have to put on this persona. I don't have to put on this image with you. I don't have to try to impress you. You guys kind of like me the way I am. (laughs) And I'm grateful for that. I have a real freedom to be all I can be here at the church. I don't feel like I have to try and make up for what I lack or hide any limitations I have. I can be grateful for the special abilities God gave me. And I can appreciate those special abilities He gave and talents He gave to others. Here at the church, I don't have to be someone I'm not in order to be good at being involved here. I just let God work through my strengths and I I figure He'll fill in the gaps around me with all of you. There's an author who points out another thing, another benefit of being part of the body that isn't like this in the world. But she says we can really be, in the church, we can really be sharp and focused. She says that being well-rounded is is an illusion. There was a study done that found that excellent performers were rarely well-rounded. On the the contrast, they are sharp and focused. And what that means to us is we don't have to spend the majority of our time trying to fix ourselves, trying to make up for our shortcomings, trying to be all things to all people. It's an inefficient use of our time, right? It's not a sin to be average and ordinary in some areas, and for me, downright lousy in some areas, but we all need to manage our weaknesses, but this is what we can and should be focused on. We should be focused on spending our time building up our own strengths and offering them to others. So obstacle two is getting past that emphasis on individualism. It's getting past that self-reliance, learning to be more interdependent. Paul says the third obstacle that causes us to not take that leap into the body has to do with our desire. Do we eagerly desire to give to Jesus' bodies? Those of you who grew up playing athletics or sports in any way, you remember some of those guys that you played with that had tremendous amounts of abilities. They were talented. They should have been all Americans, right? But what was the thing they lacked? Sometimes they didn't get there because they lacked the desire. They lacked the work ethic. In 1 Corinthians 27 through 31, Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you has a part in it. And then, God, and then Paul goes on and says, God placed in the church these different gifts and ministries, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Then he questions, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Then the last sentence, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. There are two phrases in that passage that aren't necessarily right next to each other, but they're very much connected to one another. The first one is, now you are the body of, part, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And now eagerly desire the greater gifts. There's a connection between knowing you're part of this place and the desire to carry out your part. To illustrate that, you know, Katie and I uh, mentor in the Home Builders 2 class. That's a class of uh, parents with young children. And we have a leadership team, um, some couples in that class. And um, 
I already asked him if I could show this, but one of the guys that's a leader on the leadership team, he's, for years he's told us he has a real aversion to praying in front of people. He can't do it. He does not like to pray. When we close our class, he does not like to be the one who prays in front of the people. Well, two weeks ago, I was up here going to do the announcements, and all of a sudden I look over, and there's Mike Kittle sitting next to me up here. I said, what are you doing up here, Mike? He said, I'm going to be praying for the morning offering here at church. Now, what power does that? What power transcends what you think you're not and gets you to move to what God wants you to do? We talk about desire. I don't know if Mike was really excited about the fact that he was going to get up here and pray, like he couldn't wait to get up on stage and pray in front of you guys. But it's having that desire, that eagerly desire, may mean just being open to taking that step into something. And that's what we need to be. We just need to be open to taking that step, having that desire to see what God has in store for you, getting out of your comfort zone. I'm so glad Mike did it. You know, I could tell you other stories about a lot of the leaders that we have in our class, how their talents are just coming up. And you know, as a body, we are better off for those kind of things. So the main idea is God gave you something to give to his body. And as Paul points out, there's obstacles that hold us back. But what can we do about that? What do we do next? What are our next steps? If you want to learn how to get more plugged into this body, well, the only way to know your gift is to know our Savior, Jesus Christ. You need to connect with Jesus. You need to spend some time with Jesus. You need to ask him where you should be. You need to ask him to open doors for you, to give you opportunities, and have him bring something out in you you didn't even expect. The other thing is we've got to check to see if we're actually looking at ourselves accurately, if our view of ourselves is accurate. One of the best ways to do this is ask people that you trust to tell you what they see in you. Uh, have a discussion in your class or with groups of people that you trust that can be honest with you about your gifting. Or take a spiritual gift test and don't be shocked by what the gift test tells you. <laughs> Um, and the other thing we can do as a body is to point out and encourage the gifts we see in others and to try to look for opportunities where you can open the door for that person to step in to something that's life-changing for them. You can make that happen for them. You know, in closing, I'll just tell you one more story um, that happened to me. Um, Many years ago, about six months into the time we were here at the church, we were over in the little church, and at that time, uh, Steve was doing the music. Steve was still doing the music. Pastor George was preaching, and our associate pastor was Dave McPherson. He also ran the youth group. And on a normal Sunday, uh, the order of worship was Steve would do a song, Dave would get up and do the announcements, Steve would do another song, and another song, and another song. <laughs> no. He'd do some songs, and George would get up and preach. Well, Dave was... Dave McPherson had to get over. He comes up to me. I'm like in the fourth row sitting there with Katie, minding my own business, by the way. Dave comes up to me and he says, Brad, I got to get over to a meeting. We're having the parents of the youth. We're going to be talking about the youth trip. He goes, I need you to do me a favor. I said, what? He said, I want you to get up there and do the morning announcements. Now, I had, we all have a fear of public speaking, but for me, it was debilitating. I mean, I was scared to death. And it was really affecting my career, too. I just couldn't get up and talk in front of people. So 
there were only a couple minutes before the service started, and somehow I must have mumbled yes, because Dave took off, and there I am sitting there with Katie, and Katie's like, she knows that I'm a nervous wreck. And I start hyperventilating. I start flushing. I start turning red. And it's about five seconds before it's time for me to get up there, and I look at my wife in the eye, and she looks at me. Here's her words of encouragement. She says, don't try to be funny. That's what she sends me up there with. Anyway, I get up there, and I do the, I do the morning announcements, and I don't know, it was, it, it, it definitely God. I don't remember how it went. But after that, um, they came up to me, the pastor came up to me and said, Brad, we'd like you to do, you did a good job, we'd like you to do those announcements every week. And I think I did, I think I did announcements for about 10, 12 years here at the church. Oh my goodness, you guys. I was so scared. But that opportunity opened up. I stepped into it. And it's amazing what God's done in my life because of stepping in with you all, right? So we need to be encouraging that in all of us. Let's pray. Let's have the choir come back, or the praise team come back up, and I'll pray for us here, and then we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, first of all, thank you, Lord, that the way you bring the Spirit in this building the lives you've changed, the lives you've built up, the lives you've redirected. Thank you for this body of believers, Lord, that has had such an impact on my life. I don't know where I'd be without you and the people you surrounded me with, God, but thank you for that. And God, I know there's somebody out there right now who's sitting in their seat and saying, you know, I just really don't know. I can't do this and I can't do that. I'm really not equipped for this. But God, you know better. You know that person. I ask you right now with the power of the Holy Spirit to convict that person, to step forward, to take that leap, to take that leap into something that is amazing and something that you have for them, that you'll be able to bring out abilities they never knew they had. Lord, cast the vision in our lives. Make us better. And we owe it all to you and Jesus who died on the cross. Thank you for making us better. Thank you for giving this opportunity to live forgiven lives. We owe it all to you, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.